The memorial service was set for no... <laughs> All right, okay, I can do this. From Boogie Land Media, this is On Carlson Drive, a dusty little dirt road of memories from the wit and whimsy of Wendy Bonifield. Today's episode, Last Days. There are those moments when you remember exactly where you were when something happens. It was like that when my sister called me. It was evening, Grace was in the kitchen, and Randy, Hannah, and I were in the living room. Aaron was away at school. It was strange to get a call from my sister. We don't call each other very often. Okay, I never call, and she rarely calls. Hi, Wendy. This is Lisa. Um, So Dad is in the hospital. They have found a large tumor in his brain, and he is scheduled for surgery in two days. He didn't want to tell anybody, but Mom decided we all needed to know. Yeah, we all needed to know. My first reaction was, oh, well, he'll be fine. He's the strongest person I know. When I told my girls, they were like that too. This is Grandpa. He's invincible. But brain surgery is kind of a big deal, so I should probably go, even though he is going to be fine. My parents lived in Colorado, in an absolutely beautiful place in the mountains about an hour and a half from Denver, where my sister Lisa and her husband Brad lived, as well as my brother Dan and his family. My brother DJ lived in Breckenridge, about three hours away. I lived in Kansas. Fortunately, Brad works for United Airlines and was able to get me on a flight the next day with his friends and family, or Buddy Pass. So I flew into Denver the next day. Lisa and Brad picked me up from the airport, and we went directly to the hospital. We were all together, all six of us, Lisa, me, Dan, DJ, and my mom and dad. Dad was confident. You guys didn't need to come. I will be fine. But I like having you all together. That's pretty good. The surgeon said it would be around eight hours, give or take a few hours, depending on what he found when he got in there. We were all in the waiting room along with longtime friends, Barb and Harry, as well as other visitors throughout the day. We had lots of time to talk about what was happening. We were all in denial. This could not be happening to our dad, the rock of our family. He was so strong and so healthy. There were some early signs that something was not quite right, but we chalked that up to old age or dad's eccentricities. First, he started to give away all his tools. He did not want to work with them anymore. It was a strange day when Lisa, Randy, and I wandered around his garage with dad almost forcing his tools on us. Lisa, who was the real tool person in the family, took a lot. And we tried to set aside some things for DJ, and Randy and I took some things. But it felt wrong to take all his tools, but he insisted if we didn't take them, he was going to sell them or take them to the thrift store. 
Also, on that trip, his driving was terrifying. Dad always did all the driving, up the mountains and everywhere. However, this time there were several moments I thought we were going to careen off a cliff. He ran several red lights and drove so fast and erratic. I remember remarking on the way home, Dad seems to be slipping. He was taking a lot of naps, falling asleep in mid-conversation. I guess everyone gets old, even my invincible dad. However, I had no idea a tumor was growing. The surgery took 10 hours. My mom was amazing through all of this, up until about the eight and a half hour mark when she started to worry. Why is it taking so long? Finally, the surgeon appeared and told us he was able to remove 99% of the tumor. That sounded promising. However, the surgeon was guarded. We were told this particular kind of tumor, diagnosed as glioblastoma, was an extremely nasty cancer. The tumors grow fast and spread quickly. Dad was given a prognosis of 18 months to two years of life, in very few cases, maybe five years. This I could not believe, not my dad. I keep saying he was the strongest person I knew, but it simply did not compute that someone so healthy and strong could be taken out so soon. My Grace likes to say he was like hugging a tree. Solid muscle. He was not a big man with very little fat on his body. He was conscious about what he ate, always reading about healthy eating and the latest research on the healthiest diet. He was overly weight conscious, too much in my book, because one of the last things he did for me was encourage me to go on a diet. He paid for Slim for Life, which I begrudgingly did. I hated it, and when he died, I immediately gained all that weight back. It was a little bit of a temper tantrum. My dad was as skinny as could be, yet he just died. What difference does it make? I'm making muffins. I believed I would have my dad around for another 15, maybe even 20 years. There is no way he could be gone in 18 months. This is my dad. Mom was able to go up and see him as he was in the recovery room after the surgery. Then the rest of us got to see him. It was a difficult visit to see that giant incision on his bald head. Not the bald head, he was always bald, but he looked so frail and broken. He was alert and able to communicate a little bit. For the next week, Mom and I went to the hospital every day. Mom badly wanted him to be home. Finally, he was released and able to come home. I stayed with my mom during this time, with Randy holding down the fort at home. And now for an interesting side development at home. For the first time ever, in the 15 years we lived in our house, our basement flooded. Our whole area flooded. We had so much rain, the creek behind our houses spilled over. The sewers were too full, the ground was oversaturated, and the water came up into our finished basement. I was getting daily reports of the mess and stress going on at home. But my dad was dying. I wanted to holler at Randy, look, just deal with it. I don't care about our basement. Yet 
I knew that wasn't fair. He was worried about my dad, too. But he didn't have the luxury to wallow in the sadness and let our basement mildew. I felt like everything should stop while I mourned my dad. But life doesn't work that way. Mom and Dad had been planning a move to Rockford, Illinois, to live in a retirement village. The original plan was to live in one of the houses on the compound, but they decided to move into the apartments instead, not knowing what was going to happen with Dad as the days went on. The preparation to sell the house in Colorado began in earnest. Dad virtually gave away everything. My sister Lisa took truckloads of things back to her house to sell. She was good at that. We came to help clean things out. I saved some special things that I'm sure if I had not been there, Mom would have gotten rid of. We lived like Dad was going to be okay. Mom and Dad came to visit. Dad organized our garage, something he'd been saying he was going to do for a long time. Over the years, Dad had done many projects at our house, with Randy learning along the way. Dad continued to go to doctors and try different treatments. He was confident he could beat this, as we all were. The doctors told us glioblastoma was not survivable. Okay, I lived in denial, but not really, because I could see the toll it was taking on my dad. Then the thing happened that we knew would happen, that the doctor told us would happen. The tumor came back, loud and strong. The second surgery went okay, not as well as the first, but the surgeon got much of the second tumor. Dad did not recover quite as well as the first time. His speech was slurred. He slept a lot. There were flashes of his old self. I guess I could have coffee without zucchini bread. We still use that one now and then. He also continued to be very sure of himself, much to Mom's chagrin. Mom and I took him to a doctor's appointment to a doctor he had been to many times, so he was sure he knew where he was going. I could not get him to enter a different door, no matter how many times I showed him the sign that said, floor under construction, use east entrance. He would not budge. So we went in and walked amongst the construction workers with dad's objection to me asking people how to get to the relocated office of his doctor. I know where I'm going. It was a hard habit for us to break as well. We were on our way to visit my brother's warehouse. Randy was driving with Dad in the front seat and me and my mom in the back. Dad was giving Randy directions. The whole time my mom was quietly saying at each turn, Oh, well, um, I wouldn't go that way. Ah, well, I guess that will get us there. We continued on this way until she finally said, Oh, well... Now we're going the wrong direction. Until Randy finally said, Would somebody who has not had brain surgery please give me directions? He continued to go downhill. When he was placed in hospice, we knew we needed to bring the girls to Rockford to say goodbye. We were all there. My sister was now staying with my mom and dad and her son Austin came from Korea. It was a time of sorrow. How could we say goodbye? 
We gathered around him in the living room where his bed was placed. We talked and sang songs. A few poignant moments for me happened as we sang. I was sitting next to my dad, unable to sing, and my dad, unable to talk at this point, reached up and placed his hand on my shoulder, like he always did when he was proud of you. I felt like it was his way of telling me it was going to be all right. Another time, my grace was sitting next to him as we were singing the song, It Is Well With My Soul. None of us were able to get the words out but Grace, who sang in her beautiful soprano voice, holding your grandpa's hand as he turned towards her the best he could. When we went home, we knew it would not be long before Dad was gone. But when Lisa called me a few days later at about 2 o'clock in the morning with the simple words, He's gone. I was not ready to hear them. The memorial service was set for November 4th. Mom, that's your birthday. We can't do this on your birthday. It's fine. It's what it is. It's what it is. My mom's reaction. She rests so beautifully in her faith. Neither my mom or dad wavered in their faith. Dad believed fully in his destination, and mom knew she would see him again one day. On the day of the memorial service, I I wanted to be strong. I didn't want to cry all day. And I was doing okay until my Aunt Kathy got there, my dad's older sister. I don't know what it was, but that was when the floodgates opened, probably because I knew she was a safe place for my sorrow. Dad would have hated this memorial service. It went way too long. Even though we thought we had planned a streamlined program, everyone went rogue. People we asked to simply lead a song thought they needed to speak. Truthfully, I was perfectly happy to hear the lovely things they had to say about my dad. It has been almost five years now since my dad has been gone. The grief is still there. I miss him. There have been so many moments when I wanted to hear his advice or get his take on what was going on in this world. I feel sad. I feel sad Micah, his first great-grandchild, will not know him. He would have been so proud. And I love that Aaron and Bennett chose to give Micah my dad's name for his middle name, Micah Dallas. I know that grief never goes away. Perhaps it softens. In the middle of that grief for the loss of my dad, I feel thankful to have had him for my dad. I'm not really sure how heaven works, but I often think about him looking out for me up there in heaven and bragging about his grandkids. So I'm here with my friend Lori, and so I'd just like to welcome you. Thank you, Lori, for joining me. Thank you, Wendy, for having me. Yeah. Well, first of all, I just thought it would be fun to have a little chat with you anyway, but um, I know that you recently lost your dad, and I wanted to stir up all those sad feelings again. (laughs) Uh, No. But why don't you you just tell us about your dad? 
Oh, goodness. Well, my dad um, literally was the very best part of me. Mm. Very close. I was the quintessential daddy's girl. Yeah. I was always close to him. But of course, when I left for college, that relationship just grew deeper and deeper. And through all of life's journeys, ups and downs, dad was always that steady, constant, you know, and mom too, I should say. But of course, I just, my dad and I were just best of Mm -hmm. friends and I could easily bear my soul to dad. That's wonderful. Yeah, I think about that sometimes, you know, um, my mom is my, was my confidant. Mm-hmm. That's, you know, if I had struggles, I was going to talk to my mom. Mm-hmm. But there's just something about your dad, right? Mm-hmm. That, yes. And I don't think it takes anything away from either parent. If you're mm-hmm. like, well, this is the parent that I felt like I could really bear my soul to. Yes. You know? Yes. So, so what was it like growing up? Oh, goodness. So growing up, um, I had two brothers, one on either side. I'm a middle child. And so, um, the middle child and the only girl and the only girl. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So dad was, uh, so my parents were both missionaries, medical missionaries and, um, was really wonderful was, um, growing up dad very much loved to sing. Mm. And so he taught us all how to sing. <laughs> That's what did you sing together as a family? We did. We did. We sang together as a family and um and he would compose songs too. Oh really? Yes, for our family. So right. um he kind of dovetailed all of that with what he did in ministry. So right, they they were medical missionaries and uh, had charge over some patients. And so Sunday mornings before church even and Sunday school, we would go and sing to their patients. Oh, um, just, yeah, we'd sing and then we'd go on to church. Um, but so singing has always been a part of our family. Mm-hmm. And dad also loved the Lord dearly and was a great storyteller and would tell stories of the Bible. And he was a very loving dad and fun loving. He loved to joke and laugh and was playful. Um, very endearing person. That's so good. <laughs> it's love to have those memories of your dad, isn't it? You know, the... Just the playful times. Yes. And, but yes. that you also kind of inherited the love of music. Yes. So I think we all have enjoyed music uh, because of dad. And mm-hmm. I, I am very grateful. You know, at the time, sometimes when he would ask us to sing, you you know, as a kid, you're like, oh, why do we have to do this again? <laughs> but actually, it was such a huge gift to us. Yeah. And uh, in fact, my mom passed five years ago and uh, at both their... Uh, memorial services we sang do you still have like um those songs that he wrote do you still remember them i we sure do we do have you sing them. them together my brothers and i sometimes joke and we'll sing them together kind of playfully together and be like remember when we sang this one <laughs> and um there are people from our lifetime that knew us back then and they'll be like sing one sing one again is that right they so, remember the songs. yes too? they remember the songs too so it just it's it's fun it's a fun thing to have people in our history that remember that time in our life. Sure. So, yeah. yeah. So. Did you guys live in the same place or did you move often? We lived in the same place. Once my brothers and I came along, my parents were pretty much rooted in the city by that time. And so, yeah, we lived in the same home. You just stayed there and you lived, grew up in that same home. In that same home. In fact, it's still there. Is that right? Yes. And my brother just went back recently and he said it was surreal to just, not everyone gets that, gets to go back to their childhood no. home. Yeah. So what a gift to like go back and go into your room and 
see the spaces that you occupied and just the flood of memories that come back. Were there people living in the home? Then they. No, no. Actually, so that poem is still my parents, and what we've oh, done okay. is that, right. yeah, we've tried to make it more of a guest home for missionaries coming through, and it's, so it's been used for different types of things over the years, sure. so that's how. All right, so you guys still own this yes, home, and yes. but you use it for yes. something different. Okay. I know that talking about, you know, the loss of anybody can be painful, but sometimes cathartic. Yes. So why don't you talk a little bit about you know, your dad's passing. Dad was 92 when he passed earlier this year, and he was a strong 92. So in many ways, it was very unexpected, even though he was older. Yeah. Um, in fact, he his bags were packed for a missions trip. Really? That the day he passed, hmm. he was supposed to go. Um, and basically, he got a cough, I want to say about two weeks prior to his going home to heaven. And it just wouldn't go away and he he quickly deteriorated and um he stopped eating and and when you're that age and that fragile things just start spiraling very quickly sure. my brother my older brother and sister-in-law went to go see him and assess him and by the time they got they got to him he was pretty frail but they somewhat felt like well i think he's going to rally i think mm. he's going to be okay and so we were our my younger brother and i were starting to make our plans to toggle seeing him so that one of us could be with him at all times just to see if he could get healthy again. And um, my brother left. They live in Oregon, the state of Oregon. My father was in California. They left to go back to Oregon. And my sister-in-law just had this. She said, you know, what? why don't I go back? I think I'm going to go back. And so she took a plane and flew back. And she settled in and she called me. I was at work and she called me and she said, OK, I'm here. I'm with dad. Mm. Everything's fine. He's just resting peacefully, um, but I'm here. My brother was going to fly out Wednesday, and I was going to fly out that following Friday. And uh, I think within that same hour that she'd called me, she called again, and she just started crying, and she said, I'm so sorry. And I knew, and I literally crumbled. Sure. So it was very hard. Part of me didn't want to believe it. Right. But then there's that part of you that also knows, no, this is really happening. You know, and of course, looking back now, I see God's grace. But at the moment, it was just kind of shock. Yeah. I'm just so grateful for so many things now looking back, just the mercies of God in all of it. I'm glad he wasn't alone. Right. That she just felt that need to go back. Exactly. Um, she was reading scripture and I just thought, okay, I love that. I love yeah. that. You know, and of course, there's always there's for me anyway, there's this like, I wish I could have been there. You know, maybe if I had booked a, you know, a plane ticket sooner or something. Right. But I, I also understand that, you know, that's that our time to go is in God's hands. Yeah. And so I try to just remind myself of that. But I do have that sometimes where I just, oh, I wish I could have seen him one more time. Yeah. You know, sure. sure. So, yeah. So that's how I, um, I found out dad had passed and then, of course, then starting to think about a memorial service and our family's all spread out. So just kind of trying to coordinate how best to make that all happen Yeah. then ensued. But again, now looking back several months, I again, God's fingerprints were all over the place. Just the grace that he carried all of us with mm-hmm. and the ways he he provided for everybody. So it's been beautiful, bittersweet, but beautiful. Right. Yeah. 
It's hard when you think about your dad, right? I mean, because I, I think about that, and I thought, there's no way that my dad can be gone because mm-hmm. he was such a big part of your life, and then, then they're gone. Yes. My dad and I start, uh, would talk every day. Mm-hmm. So when I left for college, one of the ways he kept in contact with us, because then we were here in the States, and my dad was still overseas in the Philippines as a missionary, is he started this thing called Fresh Manna, where he would just take a verse, scripture verse, and write a little thought, and he'd email my brothers and I. Mm. And he did that every day, except for the weekends. So it was five days a week, I guess I should say. And uh, he just continued that. So we have years worth of just this faithful presence of my dad doing that. Now, what happened is that about a decade ago, my mother's health took a turn And they came, relocated to the States. And my dad and I started communicating daily, just calling. I would call to make check on mom. And so that became our pattern. I'd call him and we'd talk. And especially when mom's health really, really was declining fast, we'd call many times a day. And that habit just continued on after mom passed. So he was daily part of my life. Yeah. And sometimes several times a day I'd call him and just either talk or I'd ask him a question or we'd laugh together. Mm. Um, but a couple months after dad had passed, I was crying in bed, just missing him, crying and saying, God, I just, I miss talking to dad. I miss just sharing my heartaches or my concerns and I miss praying with him. Lord, it just doesn't seem fair. And Mm -hmm. truly out of my spirit, I don't know how else to say it, the thought came to me, well, we're all right here. (laughs) We can still pray together. And I just wept and I just thought, you know what? I know exactly where dad is. That's right. He's with you and we can all still pray together. And somehow that comforted me to know that in some ways, though, everything seemed to have changed. Nothing has changed. Yeah. Yeah. I, I feel like my dad is with me. Mm-hmm. every day and you know I say it in the story that it's just like I said I don't know how heaven works but I I feel my dad's presence all the time I think that's true I've I've also recognized too that in some ways he's more present to me now hmm. than when he was actually alive I that I don't know if that makes any sense at all but it's I don't know. I It does, because sometimes I'll talk to my dad. I'll be like, okay, I know. I know, dad. I know. I need to probably, it's dumb stuff even, like when I'm practicing my horn, and I'll play it, and I'll be like, okay, fine, I'll play it again. I know I messed that up, and I'll just do it again. I love that. You probably should fix that little run there and, and make that better. And I'll go, okay, all right, dad, I'll do that again. That's beautiful. <laughs> I love that. I think that is the beauty, too, of having such strong memory of your parents or whatever is that, yeah, you can be doing your life and then you can imagine what they'd be saying to you or it'll bring up a memory of a time that they might've said something. Um, Right. Yeah. And you can just go back to that. Yeah. Do you find moments of like, for me, I'll be gone. I mean, it's been five years, right? My dad's been Mm -hmm. gone. But there are moments where I just still feel that sorrow so deep. Mm. Honestly, Wendy, I cry every day. <laughs> and I It's don't a know. little fresh for you. <laughs> it is. So and so some part of me's like, Am I ever gonna not cry? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. And also in many ways, because mom passed five years ago, 
I feel like I'm mourning her all over again. Sure. Because there's this, oh, now they're both gone. And in many ways, when mom passed, dad kept her alive for me or something. And so I don't know, it made it more final when dad went. Yeah. um, I'm still very fortunate that I still have my mother. But there is something you think about, like you're, okay, my parents are gone. Exactly. So part of our growing up is on Sundays, Sunday afternoons, we would go to my uncle's house and have a big family dinner every Sunday. And we'd always have the adult table and the kid (laughs) table. And even though we grew up and we were no longer kids, we still sat at a kid table and the adults still sat at the adult table. Is that right? And uh, so it was my grandparents and my uncle and aunt and my mom and dad. But my aunt passed away a couple months ago, and she was the last at that adult table. Oh, wow. And so I found myself really reeling from feeling like that entire adult table is gone. Right. And then this strange feeling of, I can't be at the adult table. <laughs> Wait a minute, now I'm the adult table? <laughs> it was a strange feeling, and I know I'm a grown woman, but I don't feel like I belong at the adult table. <laughs> so it's very disorienting. I'm sure. Um, yeah, yeah, you never feel like you're going to be as wise as your mom. And oh, heavens dad. no. Which makes me wonder, like, I'm sure they had thoughts and fears and, you know, doubts. And it, and yet it didn't seem like that to me. Yeah. It makes me wonder, like, what did they do with all that? <laughs> <laughs> what did they do with those fears and doubts? Yes. it's a good question. What do we do with them? Oh, goodness. I feel like I'm a mess all the time. <laughs> Oh, goodness. Um, But there is this beautiful anchoring that I recognize in in my parents that I hope that I, in some small way, am to my kids. Um, It is a beautiful thing to to have come from a family that felt solid to me. Yeah. And I know, again, not everyone gets that. So I do understand that that's a huge blessing and a grace. Yeah. I've said it several times that, you know, you feel that grief, that loss. But there is such a sense of gratitude. Oh my goodness, yes. That, you know, you got to, that, that, that he was your dad. Yes, yes. I'm just thankful for that. For that. Well, and I know people who didn't have good fathers, and then right. you really realize, like, you know, I know I did nothing to deserve the dad I got. I'm just really, it was a grace gift. I'm thankful for my dad. I'm so thankful for my dad, too. Ugh. <laughs> I miss him every single day. Yeah. This episode of On Carlson Drive was produced for Boogieland Media by Randy and Wendy Bonifield and distributed through our friends at podbean.com. All stories were written, edited, and narrated by Wendy Bonifield. All original music and music arrangements are written and performed by Randy Bonifield. Remember to subscribe and please like, add, friend, and review this podcast wherever you find us. Follow On Carlson Drive on Facebook and Instagram at username on Carlson Drive. And be sure to visit our website at oncarlsondrive.com. 
Special thanks to all our friends and families who, unbeknownst to them, were writing the stories we tell simply by living them. Join us in two weeks for a new episode. Until then, thank you for listening to On Carlson Drive.